Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
Uh, we explore uh, personal exploration, universal insights, expanding your perception of how life works. And what I do, by the way, in my own work is I interpret a person's life code to allow them to live a life filled with compassion. And I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and that's something you can always catch through my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website. And um, actually, you'll catch that through one of the other uh, radio tabs on the <laughs> on the website where I've got shows where other people have interviewed me. I've also authored four books, You, Me, Life, Dreams, and its companion workbook, as well as Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. And I'm co um collaborator on a book called Embraced by the Divine, uh, Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and, and uh, Purpose. And that's in the process of coming out, so you're definitely going to watch for that. We have some incredible things going on with that uh, book right now, and the, the collaborative of women that are involved in that is just truly, truly wonderful to have been a part of. And in addition, I've also created the True North Tour. That's a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, planning events, fundraising events. I'm having a little bit of a break right now from touring, taking a little break here in Sioux Falls. But uh, I will be going back out on tour so you can follow various things and when they're coming up and what's going on with all of those things, as well as all the archive shows and monthly videos all through my website, Jesse and Nichols George, the number one dot com. Now just a reminder, if you do enjoy the show today, make certain you share it with people. You know, I find oftentimes when I'm sharing something that it really does make a difference for somebody. And I don't always know it's going to do that when I share. I just share and inevitably somebody comes up and says, oh my gosh, this is just what I needed to hear. And our guest today, I know she's got some great life experiences to share with us and some great things that have come out of those experiences. And I think it's going to be something that is going to be of interest to a lot of people. So, uh, you know, it's, it's worth it's worth clicking that. You, you don't know who's – you literally could just save or change a life by clicking that share button. So, you know, take the time to do that a few seconds. They can always catch it in the archives by coming to the same link you got into the live show and listen to it at their convenience, or they can catch it again as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn.com, or through my YouTube channel. So lots of options depending on what they like. Now, before we get started on everything, those that have listened in before know that I like to delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God, Technology for the Soul. It's by Yehuda Berg, and Yehuda's a wonderful Kabbalah master. Uh, And he's one of those people like me who likes to take the big, giant concepts and bring them into everyday life and everyday language. And then this, by the way, is posted on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website as well as the weekly code, and you'll be able to go back and reflect on those through the week at your convenience as well. So this week's name of thought that we're dealing with is fertility, and uh, this is really an interesting one. I, I always find that whatever random message comes up, each week, it always seems to apply to the guest or the topic <laughs> or something. So we'll see how this one applies into today's guest. And the, the initial message on this is sometimes a couple finds it difficult to conceive a child. This name is the spiritual DNA of fertility. And I should add, you know, when we're looking at that, it's not just an earthly child, but also projects uh, our children for us as well. Now, the insight that he gives on this is, If we believe erroneously that we are the ultimate source of our abundance, blessings, and miracles, then our lives inevitably become as barren as a desert. 
souls become sterile due to inflated self-importance. And giving birth to children, giving birth to new ideas, or giving birth to a business solution all require the divine force of fertility. Fertile minds and fertile bodies bring forth the kinds of miracles and blessings that lead us to fulfillment in the deepest sense. Acknowledging and appreciating this profound truth kickstarts this name and launches it into action. Now the meditation he goes on to provide with us is abundance and fruitfulness fill your being. You are infused with the power of procreation and you can also meditate upon others who are trying to start a family. So again, the common name is fertility and the formal name on this is Kaf Lamed Yud. Okay, Kaf Lamed Yud. Again, that will be on my page in the Main Street Universe tab on my website, jessianmicholsgeorge, the number one.com and definitely fertility applies, like I said, not just to those trying to start a physical family but also those starting a project or working with a group or things like that or anything you're working on bringing forth to create. Now, every every week I also like to give a little insight before we go on break and bring our guests on. And this kind of gets our mind thinking in the direction of our topic, what's going on, um, and some things that we're going to be taking a look at during this show in particular. So here's a little thought for you. Do you remember when you really got active on your path And do you remember having an awakening that really made you get serious about the life you are living? What was it that made that an awakening journey for you? Even those those that are born with gifts of intuition or seeing seem to have some sort of awakening point that happens for them. For many, it seems to connect with some sort of accident or dance with nature of sorts. No matter how it happens, it seems to really make us realize that we are in a human body. And with that, brings humbleness through experiences. This seems to be a real turning point for many as they often are placed in a point of immobility, facing a deep fear, or having a life-threatening or near-death experience. It makes me wonder, what makes so many having to get to such a point or experience to awaken? And it seems to be the case uh, be they evolved, born into their gifts, or completely unaware of them up to the point of incident that so-called wakes them up and sets them in a whole new direction. And what is interesting is that oftentimes these experiences can be both incredibly exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. It can be very disorientating when such awakenings come to us. And I can remember several myself. Here, there were tornadoes and other storm or related incidents at the age of three and four, and there was being surrounded by lightning at the age of 16, and then there was being stranded in a canyon and snow without blankets, and there was hitting black ice and leaving my body completely only to reawake to being suspended sideways in my vehicle in a tree branch. And there were several years of illnesses that ended up in multiple surgeries done by two specialists over a six-and-a-half-hour period and losing everything I owned to black mold, including literally the clothes on my back. And most likely, there are a few I haven't tapped in on here. And, you know, it always interests me to hear people's journeys and stories that led them to so-called awaken to their path. Now, Stephanie Banks is one of those people that is 
taking the time to share her ongoing journey of awakening with others. And I, I believe in this too. I think our journeys are always ongoing as we're awakening. To perhaps let others know they are not alone in what they're experiencing. And what is great in her work is that she mentions that to be ongoing. Once the awakening happens, it really does seem to become a journey that continues. And we never really reach a final destination, but simply seem to make one discovery after another as we walk the path that we choose and through what presents itself to us. Each step seems to open another skill or portal within us. What things have opened for you in your awakening? Have you had a sudden development of intuition or other skill after going through a harsh physical world experience? And what brought you into the path you are? These are some great things to think about. And I'm really looking forward to delving into the subject today with our guests. Now, one more little insight is, is those that have listened in before, they know that I like to share a code for the week. And this, this is kind of like that message for the week type of thing, but it's why I actually go in and I code what the energy is like for the week. And this week brings with it some caution. It carries with it patterns of sacrifice or playing the victim role. And this can come in a variety of forms. For some, this can simply be apparent stress or anxiety. The important thing to keep in mind with this pattern is that it is up to us to set boundaries or standards of how we will be treated. And if you need to take some time for yourself and be in reflection, then do it. We place ourselves in this position most of the time unknowingly by doing things that we don't really want to do or allowing others to make choices for us, reacting instead of responding. It is up to you to make certain you are neither in this position nor putting others in this position. Ask yourself, where you can bring balance. And especially with the approaching holidays, it is important to balance obligations and responsibilities with being true to yourself and time for you. Take a walk or take a long hot bath with a cup of herbal tea or hot organic cider, you know, whatever your flavor is for the season. It is important to not just get through the holidays, but to really enjoy them for what they truly are. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I'm going to be bringing on Stephanie Banks, and we're going to be talking about her work, A Soul for the Journey. And the song I've got for you during our break, it's called Desert Highway by Claire Medine, and you can check out more of Claire's work through her website, www.clairemedine.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And we'll be back in just a few minutes.
Welcome back. You are listening to Coast Connection. And my name is Jessie Ann Nicole-Short, and I'm your hostess today. You were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called Desert Highway, and you can definitely check out more of Claire's work at her website, www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And if you hear a little background stuff, <laughs> it's because I'm at Studio Starbucks today. <laughs> You know, it's uh, been one of those days that uh, if anybody's been following the weather, but maybe you're not familiar with what's happening in my region, I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is where I've been taking some time to be doing some regrouping, and they had told us we were going to have about one to three inches of snow, and we've had about a foot of snow today, and it's still snowing. (laughs) So uh, the place that I normally can get into to, to work from and have a nice quiet space, I was unable to get into today because of the the storm, but um, hey, we're still here and we're on. It just means I'm going to be muting my mic on and off while uh, our guest is talking to uh, allow you to hear her a little bit better and not pick up all of my background noise. Now today I have with me Stephanie Banks, and she's an award-winning author who is quickly making her mark as an accomplished author. She was born into a family of intuitives to encourage fostering faith and accepting guidance from within. And prior to Stephanie's near-death experience, she led a life directed by modern-day terms that lacked depth and clarity. Immediately following her encounter with death, her life transformed to that of an awakened soul. 
She has now dedicated her life to mastering ancient wisdom and writing candidly about all that she learned through this process. Her unfailing connection to the non-physical realm offers guidance and transformation to all those that seek profound insight into our existence. She lives with her family in British Columbia, Canada, and you can learn more about her work through her website, which is stephaniebanks.org. And for those of you that are listening through the other channels and can't see the link there, it's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-B-A-N-K-S dot org. And Stephanie, it is so great to have you here with me on Code Connection today. Thank you. It's very good to be here with you, too. I'm glad that you made it work one way or the other. I love I love the Studio Starbucks. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> studio Starbucks today. Well, it's yeah. funny because when I was tra- traveling and touring full time on the road, you know, I would say there was so many times I ended up in Studio Starbucks <laughs> from the road because I couldn't get anything else um, yeah. during the time of my show. <laughs> So yeah, no, I, I, I think today I'm going to call it Studio Starbucks. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a. I think you coined a new thing there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I would love for you, Stephanie, to start off by sharing a bit about your journey and all this work, because I, I mean, we want to get into your story too, but you know what your book is about. But, you know, I it sounds like even prior to this near-death experience that maybe you had a bit of a journey going on. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, that's pretty accurate to say. And I, I think, you know, when you said in your intro that you love hearing other people's stories, and I think that's why I chose to write this book the way I did, because I feel that we as humans really learn the best either through our own direct experiences or through the experiences of others. And I also believe that we are here pretty much learning the same lessons. We're just learning them in different ways at different times for different reasons. Um, And by sharing our own stories, oftentimes we can insert our own stories into the story that we're listening to or reading about and be able to gain a different perspective onto our own life. So my life is definitely... um, I look back on my life and uh, although I've had some trying times like all of us, I feel that I've lived a very full life. I feel that I've lived, um, uh, in my terms anyways, an extraordinary life um, in the sense that I've never been one to really stay inside of the box. I always like to just be outside the box a little bit, learning um, in a different, from a different way. Uh, I don't tend to follow rules per se or routines, I find that that gets kind of boring. So in a lot of ways, I feel that in a, on, a, on a, either a subconscious level or on a higher level in terms of my higher self guiding me, um, I've manifested some pretty interesting times in my life that I'm now able to share with the world or anyone who's you know willing to pick up a soulful awakening and read it or listen to my radio interviews or lectures and that kind of thing. And it's been a journey. It's been an amazing journey. I wouldn't change any of it. Although at the time, you know, when things were happening, I may have been, but that's the beauty of life is that if you come through on the other side of some experiences that may seem negative at the time, 
if we come through them on the other side with a with a new outlook and have learned something, then oftentimes we can look back on those uh, experiences as um, a learning process and an opportunity to have grown as human being, as a human being, and as an individual, and also as part of the the greater collective. And I think that that's a great point because oftentimes I think when we're in the middle of these experiences, we're so overwhelmed. <laughs> we're so in the space of, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? How do I get through this? And so, yes, I think it's it's when we come out the other side that we really sometimes realize how much we've been through. And, and I can definitely relate to that because there's been many times I've been in something and I've, I've kind of gone into like a trance space and worked my way through it. And when I got through it, it really hit me what I was dealing with, <laughs> you know, in reflection. It's almost that, you know, this has to be dealt with. And then as I got through it, I realized the severity of what I was in. Or, or uh, you know, it's like it's like being, you know, having that wild animal come up to you. And in the moment, you're, you're thinking 10,000 different things. <laughs> but the one thing you're thinking mm-hmm. is, I just need to get through this moment. You're not processing all of the danger that's truly involved in your choices. Um, mm-hmm. that it's there. very true. So. And I think, you know, we're, it's, life is, is an ongoing process. And, we're you know, I think by learning some of these lessons and, you know, that one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm sure it's, you know, one of the reasons why you're doing what you're doing is to help people uh add to their repertoire of life skills in terms of being able to deal with experiences when they arise because let's face it, it's the, the world isn't always rosy. It's not always a, a bowl of cherries, you know, and even, you know, for my, myself, I'm still learning and I've been practicing not for a long time, but I've been practicing for three years to really hone in on, living a conscious life and being an awakened human being and really trying to come from that place of love and compassion. But then things come up and, you know, it all depends on your state of mind at that particular moment. It depends on uh, who you're dealing with, what kind of history you have with that person. It depends on how much you've eaten, how much you've slept, how much exercise you've gotten lately, whether you've seen the sun in the last week or not. There's so many variables. So, it's really important that when we slip down a slippery slope of feeling angry and frustrated and irritable, uh, controlling all of these negative emotions that rear their ugly head from time to time, when that happens, and I'm speaking from direct experience because this just happened to me a few days ago with my 13-year-old son, and I just lost it. I was done. I'd had enough. I just couldn't fathom being so rude and disrespectful but he's a 13 year old teenager so anyone who's a parent I'm sure knows to a certain degree what that can be like to deal with and I felt really guilty after I felt like you know here I am out trying to teach these skills to people and and I'm not exhibiting any of those right now and when you let yourself get into that state of anger it's really hard to reel yourself back in And when you do lose your cool, 
to really forgive yourself, to just make a conscious effort to not to recognize what it was that pushed your buttons and why they pushed your buttons and and how you can maximize the the new you to the best of your abilities in the future and to just really do your best that's all you can do we're not we're not perfect we i don't think you know at least in my lifetime I'll, i probably will never reach that state of perfection that pure godlike state that i would like to strive for because that's how we learn. So, you know, don't be so hard on yourself and recognize that life is life and it'll throw you punches. All you can do is your best to, to come from that place of love. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because oftentimes, especially when somebody is in that space of feeling frustrated and being in fear and they're trying to work their way through something, they're also tired and exhausted and, you know, pushing past their boundaries or limits or what they can handle in that moment. And it is, as you mentioned, very easy, I would say, to to then start turning on the self and going and seeing all of our own inadequacies. You know, I'm not good enough. I can't, you know, make anything work right now. I can't, you know, we start coming down on ourselves, and, it, and it's an easy path to go down, no matter how much work you've done on yourself. It's an easy path to go down, I think. And, uh, you know, I myself, as long as we're in a human body, we're not going to be absolutely perfect. But I think the key is that I've learned, too, along this line, and maybe you have some insight to shut on this, is that it, it really comes down to an aspect of, as you say, going, okay, I'm not going to beat up on myself. I'm going to take a look at this and say, what do I need to learn? Because I've, I've learned that when those things come up like that, that it, it oftentimes is a message to say, okay, see, this is what you haven't worked past. And not in that way of showing you your inadequacies, but giving you the opportunity to excel. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's, you hit the nail on the head and it took me about 24 hours to talk through it with people I trusted which is a really important thing uh, in in my opinion even if you just have one person find one person that you can bounce things off of that you know is going to um, give you the non-sugar-coated version of what's going on and to um, to really help you work through in the most accurate and authentic way and so after my experience just the other night, I, I really felt like I had um, failed for a very short period of time in my role as, as being an understanding mother who was, you know, loved my son unconditionally and, you know, all these things, of course I do, but I didn't act that way in that moment. And it took probably a full day for me to to really sort through why I reacted the way I did. And what I realized is that the way he was treating me was the way my ex had treated me when we were together. And in that realization, I recognized that I still have a lot of anger towards that person. I still have a lot of forgiveness that I need to deal with. And um, I don't know when I'll get to that point. I'm not going to force the issue with myself. It'll happen when I'm ready and I'll work on that. But his actions were reflective of 
how I was treated in, in the past in a similar manner. So I think, you know, it just, everything bubbled up to the surface because I haven't really dealt with that yet. And I think that's a really important lesson for all of us is that you can't just keep sweeping things under the carpet. You, you just can't because eventually you're going to have to lift that gar- carpet up and you're going to have to sweep it out and you're going to have to clean up, clean up your house and, um, and then start to sort through why you, why you feel the way you do in certain situations, why you have fears around certain things, why you feel resentment when somebody says something in a certain way. And a lot of it stems from our past. And, you know, I also think that there's a very fine line between diving into your past and spending too much time there. I don't think that you need to be there for too long because then you start harboring, you start brooding, you start scrutinizing a little bit too much. It's really about bringing awareness to it and um, doing your best to just let it go and to remember that life isn't this super personal experience that we make it out to be. And that is really difficult to do when you're in the heat of the moment. But essentially, that's what it's all about, recognizing that everybody's on their own path, everybody's in has their own perspective on the situation, everybody has their own history that's coming into play, everybody's got their own fears and their own emotional emotional state that they're dealing with. And once we get to a point of recognizing that and not taking life so personally, I think that's when we're able to just sort of let things roll off of our shoulders, put our ego to the side, let go of that need to be right and to be in control of the situation and just acknowledge that we're all human beings, we're all from the same source, we're all living through the same source, we're all returning to the same source, we're just experiencing life in a slightly different way. And, you know, and this is really good information that you're giving because so many times a day in in our society today, there is so much pressure in how you have to be perfect, how you have to... You can't, there's no error margin anymore, you know. We, somebody used to make a mistake once in a while, and it was like, oh, they made a mistake, you know, big deal. But now it's like, no, oh, you, you've got to cut that, you know, uh, 10% error margin down to 1% or less. You know, you don't even have a 1% room in a lot of sections of society today. And I, I think it's thrown us into a very heavy self-judging pattern, self-evaluating pattern, um, in there and and um, you know as you say taking that time to do that little bit of processing taking that time to realize we all function a little bit differently and to realize you're not going to be perfect as long as you're sitting in this human body you're not going to be perfect there are going to be mistakes made there are going to be decisions that may not turn out to be the best decisions um but as you say, going into the processing, and what's really interesting is the codes of processing are about the journey of the self within, and it is about connecting to the divine um, by taking that journey. And so, um, you know, as you said, when you took the time to reflect, um, when you took the time to stop and realize where things were coming from. And I, I think that's a big key. A lot of times we just need that processing time, that time out, <laughs> as we might say, um, mm-hmm. to bring us back around. 
and to, to, as you say, grab it for just a second, not to live in that past, not to dwell on all of that, but to understand this is where this is coming from for me. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I think, too, when you're taking that time out, it's all about the timing, too, that makes a difference. And in my case, I I reacted before I stopped to take that time out. And I think that often is what gets us into trouble, is that reactionary habit of uh, being in the moment is, you know, it's one thing to live in the moment. It's another thing to live in the moment consciously and when you let your emotions get the better of you and your ego takes the driver's seat and it's got the gas pedal down and it's angry because you've been it feels like it's been disrespected and um, treated uh, incorrectly and all the rest of it then we react and the idea is to respond instead of react and when you respond you're coming from that place of love this is in my opinion, when you react, you're coming from a place of fear. And my mistake in that particular situation was to not take that time in the heat of the moment, to, not, to just not say anything. It's better to just not say anything, to take some deep breaths, let the other person go off if they want to, and really just sit back and wait for things to cool down, take that time to reflect, and then bring it back into a discussion rather than allowing it to blow in, blow up into a big argument. You know, I'm really glad we're actually talking about this at this point in time as we're headed into the holiday seasons. I mean, as we all know, Black Friday is next week. And, you know, so many people get in this reactive space when they're dealing with family, when the holidays come up. It's a highly reactive time for people. And, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing you say is it's it's important for us to maybe be conscious and stop to honor. It's just like honoring that time for us versus overextending ourselves. Um, it's, it's that aspect of saying, I'm feeling this emotion come up. I'm feeling myself reacting. Let me step back now before I get to that reaction. Um Mm-hmm. And I say this in relation to the holidays and Black Fridays because so many times we get so wrapped up in the material world. I've got to get this. I've got to get out and get that possession. I've got to get out and get this particular thing. And we start reacting if we're not there. And we start reacting because we're in all of these minds. Well, you know, I think a lot of that reacting is telling us we're living outside of ourselves and we're not in the present moment as you say, and I think a lot of that has to deal with, uh, you know, the the aspect that we're placing material things as a priority spirit. What do you think? No, I, I agree completely. I agree 100%. And I think, I think the the thing that was a real turning point for me was the acknowledgement of the ego and the soul and, I almost treat them as two separate entities now. They're both part of me. They're both um, uh, aspects of my entire being. But my ego is the one that is that driving force to be better than the next person, to have more, to um, define myself by what what I have, what I own, what I do for a living, my status, 
in my community and in the world, what people think of me, um, that kind of thing. The soul doesn't care about any of that. It just doesn't care about any of it at all. It's, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't even come into the equation. So when we're reacting, say, on you know Black Friday, or is that what it's called, Black Friday? Yeah, Black Friday. And people are you know, budging in line because they're trying to get the best deal and you feel yourself getting all caught up in this. That's when you really need to step back and ask yourself, who, what part of me is presenting itself right now to the world? Is that my ego? Yes. Of course it is, because it wants more, it needs more, it's going to push somebody out of the way to get it, it, doesn't, it has no concern for the other people that are around. That's when you literally, in my, this is what I do, I talk to my ego and I, talk, and I you know, encourage people that I work with to, to talk to their ego and develop a relationship with that aspect of yourself and say, you know, you don't need to be so um, offended right now. You don't need to trample all over everybody just to get a bigger TV set for a cheaper price. It's not necessary. Bring your soul forward. Your soul is the one that's going to step to the side and say, go ahead. Please, go ahead. I'll open the door for you. There's one TV left. You have it. And you know what's going to happen? Interestingly enough, what's going to happen is you're going to pass that on to somebody else and the universe is going to offer something bigger and better back to you. So you don't want to do these things with the intent of receiving more, but that's just the law of attraction. The more you give, the more comes your way. It's, it's basic physics. The, but but the, the key is, is that your, your intent to be of service to others isn't to have an expectation back. So if you find yourself thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do this person a favor. They asked me to help them move on the weekend. I've got other plans. I really don't want to. But if I help them for this weekend, when I have to move, then I've got someone I can call. If you're having that thought, then you can guarantee that you're coming from that ego side of you because your ego always has a price tag. It always wants something in return. Your soul is simply just helping somebody, caring for somebody, because that's what it knows best. There's no price tag ever attached to it. So it's really about getting to know yourself and, and truly getting to know yourself, being honest with yourself. This was huge for me when I first started awakening to my higher self, understanding that I have these two aspects of me, and I was really quite astounded at how often I was living from my ego as opposed to living from my soul. So you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be willing to make changes, and you have to know that it's going to be some work. It's not going to happen overnight because we're habitual creatures. We've created a lot of bad habits. But the, good, the flip side of that is that we can, we can also create new habits, and we can create a new way of life, a new way of living. And that, to me, is to, being in spirit, to be inspired to be, to be a, a good person, to be inspired to be compassionate and loving and caring and sharing and all of the wonderful attributes attributes that human beings have so let go of the ego and let the soul start driving your vehicle yeah this brings up there are so many directions i could go with this (laughs) actually which is so great and you know you bring up an aspect of when we talk about surrender this is one of those things we're allowing the ego to surrender to as you put it the fool which is not a term that a lot of people use very often but it's an excellent term because it really does display these differences. And as you say, always, I find this all the time, that 
if I'm willing to get out of my head and my ego enough to say here, you take the last one, you take this, I can have something else, or I open myself up to the other possibilities, that there's there's almost inevitably always something better that I didn't even think of doing or getting or having, and it shows up as I let go of the other thing that I thought I wanted. But what's fun about the terms the ego and the fool is because when we code to what the ego is about, the ego is very money-driven. It's very success-focused in the world. And that's not to say that success is bad or any of that. It's just very outer world-driven. Now, when we look at the energy of the fool, the fool is actually uh, runs on the codes and the energy patterns of lessons learned. And so the fool is actually the sage at the same time. So I love that you use that term. I absolutely love it. <laughs> what, what term? I'm sorry, I couldn't catch it. Which term? The the term the fool. Oh, okay. Because right. because the fool is actually the sage. It, it, it energy is coded to being lessons learned, and so it's. Um, you know, it's a little different perspective than what a lot of people see it. Uh, um, so I, I want to ask you, you, you've been talking about soul awakening and awakened soul. What, how do you define that? How do you define what that is? Or um, you know, if, you were to, if somebody was to ask you, what, what is an awakened soul? I hear that term. I'm... You know, I want to become awakened, but what is that really? Well, I mean, I guess that that term can mean different things to different people. But for me personally, it means that we are starting, first of all, when you begin to awaken, you start asking the bigger questions. You start wondering, you know, why why am I here? What's my purpose? What is my greater purpose? I'm obviously not here to just, work my ass off every day and come home and do the same thing day in and day out and day in and day out and sort of get into this routine of nothingness that isn't inspiring at all, you start really waking up to your greater potentials. And it starts by those those questions coming into your mind. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Where do I go when I die? Where do we all go when we die? Are we connected? And And then as you start coming out of this slumber I call it a slumber where you're just sort of living to survive and coming into a state of thriving you, you you want more from your life you want to feel inspired you want to feel passionate about life you want to feel healthy and vibrant and full of vitality and um, you want to start doing things for others because it feels good to do that and you know that it's you know, it, that's your true nature. It's coming back to your true nature. You know, when we come into this world, when we're first born, we're coming directly from source. And all of a sudden we come into this world and here we are, these, you know, beautiful little babies where everything's, per, you know, everything's, well, maybe not everything's perfect in a physical sense sometimes, but we are still so connected to our source and then as we start growing up and we start experiencing life and people start influencing who we are uh, by means of comments and concerns and looks and um, telling us 
what they believe in and what they don't believe in. And then we internalize that. And because we, we care about these people, we respect them. They're either our teachers or our relatives, our siblings, our coaches, our, our teachers, priests, you name it. We're being bombarded all the time by different belief systems. And we start adopting those into our own life. And we start becoming less connected with our natural self, with who we really are. And as we begin to awaken, we start to feel this burning desire and this urge to come back to our authentic state of empowerment, of knowing that we are eternal beings, that we are these divine creatures that are a piece of God and that God isn't this um, being that's out there somewhere sitting up on a throne ready to judge us when we do something wrong. It's about recognizing that God is within and we feel the urge to live from that place of love and to feel expanded instead of contracted. So before you begin to awaken, in my, in, in the way I see it, you feel a little bit contracted. You feel kind of closed and vulnerable and victimized. When you begin to awaken and start living a more conscious life, you feel more expanded. You feel empowered. You feel authentic. You feel pure. And the reason why is because you're not kidding yourself anymore. You're not living a lie anymore. You're not pretending to be somebody that you're not. You're, you're, you're less driven by your ego. So you're not so defined by what you have anymore. Those things are great. It's, I have no problem with, um, with money per se and owning things and, you know, having a love for shoes and wanting to buy shoes. That, that's not the problem. The problem is when it's all about that and when your self-worth is dependent on those things where you need a pair of shoes to feel good about yourself. It's about finding the goodness within and feeling proud of who you are to the point where you don't have a problem portraying it to the rest of the world for fear that you're going to be judged. It's about being inspired, living in spirit. That to me is, is such a crucial element. Like when you, when you're inspired, you're in direct alignment with, with your higher self and with source and with all that is. And we all know what it feels like to be inspired. You, nothing will stop you. you. You may have the craziest idea in the world and everybody else is shooting it down, telling you you can't do it. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough skills. And there's doubts being thrown at you all over the place. But it's so inspiring to you. You're so passionate about it that nothing will stop you. You'll, you're just going to do it. And, and you go for it. And you, you take the leap and 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 give it all that you have and you know maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't but at least you tried because it was something that you loved doing so it, it has a whole other element to life itself and the more you start living an awakened life the more you start practicing what that means so what I mean by that is you become less judgmental over time it takes a little while because you'll be surprised at how often you judge things at least I was, I was surprised at myself and I never really considered myself a judgmental person, but then I would catch myself in my head or with friends or whatever, just sort of making a comment on somebody's shirt or somebody's shoes or, you know, little things, nothing malicious, but enough that I really recognized that, wow, I had no idea that I could be so judgmental. And you start catching yourself when you're feeling manipulative or, resentful or just outright mean because you're having a bad day so you're going to make everybody else's life miserable those things you start 
to become aware of. And as you become more and more aware of them, you start to learn how to work around and through those issues and those, um, those emotions so that you can get to a point where you can let them go slowly. And, and eventually you get to the point where you're doing this enough that you start attracting different people into your life. You start attracting different circumstances. Things start to manifest. Your life starts changing and you start seeing the effects of living a more awakened life. So this old energy that you were in kind of starts to dissipate more and more and more. And this new energy begins to awaken more and more. And the results are amazing. Synchronicities start aligning like no tomorrow. You meet the right person at the right time for the right reason. And they know somebody that would be perfect for you in terms of taking your business to the next level or helping you meet the partner that you've always been looking for or whatever, finding the doctor that you need. Whatever, whatever it is that you need in your life, the universe is there to support us and to help align those things for us. But for that to be maximized, we need to be in alignment with ourselves. And when we're awakened, we are more in alignment with ourselves. We're, we're connected to our higher self. We, we trust in our intuition. That's a big one when you're awakening is to start trusting in your intuition and to know when your intuition is talking to you, when, when it's speaking, when it's, it's our roadmap, it's a blueprint for our lifetime masterpiece. Is one of my favorite quotes. Our intuition is the blueprint for a lifetime masterpiece. How beautiful is that? If we just listen to our intuition, everything is so easy, really. From there, we can you know, put our mind into place and, and start using our mind to calculate and analyze and sort of get our ducks in a row, but our intuition will guide us in the right direction. And before we're awakened, we tend to let our mind lead us and then also do the job that it's supposed to do, which is to organize and, you know, take care of the logistics of it. But, but our intuition is really the thing that's meant to direct us down the proper path. So to me, it's really about following your intuition, doing the things that make you happy, finding what it is that you're passionate about sharing that with other people, being proud of that, not trying to hide it because somebody told you when you were two years old or five years old or whatever that you were a horrible artist and you should never art, never draw or paint. And all of a sudden you're 35 years old and you're like, I've always wanted to paint. And you pick up a paintbrush and realize that you are an amazing artist. Like you never know. Just do the things that you want to do regardless of what other people say. So that was a lot of information, but it's something that I'm really – I'm passionate about, you can probably hear it in my voice because I think it can be life-changing. Yeah, I can definitely hear the passion there. (laughs) And that's great. And I think you explained so much of that um, really well in in that whole process. Um, You know, you you talked about the intuition piece, which is, again, is a piece that people don't often get to hear. Uh, when we when we talk about these things, not very many people bring that piece in when they're talking um, about it all. But now, you know, you you had a huge near death experience that went on for you, and if I remember correctly, even though you were kind of born into this family of intuitives, uh, at the same time there was a huge 
kind of gift that came through in the way of channeling that opened up with that near-death experience. Maybe you can share a little bit of, about that experience and, and how it brought depth and clarity to you. Sure. Yeah. Well, when I was when I was growing up as um, as a kid, my my mother was very intuitive, and she was forever poking myself and my brother in the stomach, um, literally in the navel, saying, "If I teach you one thing, it's this: always trust in your gut, trust in your impulse. You know, always listen to that feeling. That that's you know that's your guiding force." And she lived her life that way. And granted, you know, she probably made mistakes along the way, like we all did. But that was something that that she really instilled in me. And then as I as I grew up, you know, that that was really the extent of um, my spiritual self, I'd say. Uh, but I was open to a lot. I was always an open-minded person, so I was open to people channeling. I'd been to a couple of channelers. I was open to anything alternative. I always sort of leaned in that direction. But I, w- I wouldn't say that I was necessarily, quote, unquote, living a spiritual life. I had never heard of Wayne Dyer or Doreen Virtue or Gary Zukoff or any of these great spiritual teachers that are out there, as sad as that is to say. I mean, I can hardly believe it now. But at the time, which was only three years ago, I hadn't. This, the, those names meant nothing to me. They didn't exist in my world. And so in terms of my my accident, I was mountain biking in Whistler, British Columbia with my partner and my son. And we had just gotten back into mountain biking. So, you know, we're still pretty green on our bikes. And we had spent three days, uh, well, two days prior to the day of the accident, getting reacquainted with the area testing our skill level, that kind of thing. And on the third day of this bike trip, we decided to take our bikes up the chairlift and and ride the the ski hill for the day, which in the wintertime is is a ski hill, and in the wintertime it acts as a mountain biking trail. So it's pretty extreme. It's Whistler, Blackcomb, it's a big mountain. It's very unforgiving terrain if you make the wrong turn, that kind of thing. And we had come across this, run that the boys really liked because it had a section of jumps so we had done this run once I had bypassed the jumps I'm not a jumper I don't like to jump and uh, we decided that we were going to go and do this run again the idea being that when we got to the jump section I would ride my bike down to uh, a a stopping point where I could see uh, my son and my partner Um, do this one jump that they were into so we got to this spot and we stopped and waited for a bunch of bikers to to go past and do their thing and then I got on my bike and I started to take this little trail that bypassed the jump section and about halfway down or partway down something came over me and I just felt this compelling pull almost like a magnetic attraction towards one of these jumps and without even thinking, I just followed my intuition. So maybe don't always follow your intuition. (laughs) Although I wouldn't change it, so I'm glad I did. So I followed this feeling and it led me into this jump. And I thought at the time, okay, well, I'll just roll over this jump, thinking that I could literally like just roll over it and not have to actually get any air. 
But what I didn't realize was that there was an eight-foot gap between the takeoff and the landing. So I didn't have enough speed to clear it, and I was going too fast to stop. So what happened was I felt myself being launched into the air and literally catapulted and smashed into a rock wall on the other side and then fell into a gully beneath me, which was about another six to eight foot drop with my bike landing on top of me. So it was in that moment that I had this, that my heart stopped momentarily and I had this near-death experience. And I'll explain it as if I remember it and then I'll tell you how I have that memory remembrance of it because it's a little bit different than than most people some people that have I guess everybody's different that's the thing in in my case I didn't have an initial memory of what happened it came to me later but what happened in that moment was my heart stopped and I um, traveled with one of my guides and uh, from there I asked to meet some of my other guides and I was introduced to them on the other side in the non-physical realm, and we traveled together, and I was shown my life in its totality, meaning I was shown my physical life, and I was shown my eternal life, and I was, uh, it was brought back to my awareness of, you know, why we're here, and who we are, and where where we came from, and what we're connected to, and, and how it all works, and that we're just these amazing energy beings of love and light and when you're on the other side that's that's what it is that's what it's all about and and um in this reconnection i made a decision that i didn't want to see anymore that i wanted to come back into my physical body i wanted to reinstate with that 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 body with that person and i wanted to come back and share my experience with other people and let them know that we're all connected, that we're all one, that we are, uh, we're guided and we're supported at all times by this amazing, beautiful world that surrounds our own, known as the universe or the non-physical realm or the other side of the veil, whatever terminology works best for you. So now back in my physical body, I um, was very injured. I had two casts on my arms that I had I had multiple injuries I was pretty banged up I write about it in my book and uh, to in more detail so I won't get into that here but what happened was I was sitting in the casting room of the hospital and uh, the doctor had already put a cast on one arm and then he started to cast my right arm and I went into this like I could feel my heart just start to beat out of my chest and I I asked him what he was doing, and he said, well, I'm casting your arm. And I said, but you can't cast both my arms. How will I function? I can't function with two casts on my arms. Like, I am a business owner. I have a small hobby farm. I have, like all of us, we have obligations. And the thought of being completely incapacitated in terms of being able to function with my arms was horrifying. So I begged and I pleaded with him to um, to cut the, my right cast and leave it open uh, and then just tie it with a tensor bandage. So if I went into a moment of panic, I could release release it from my arm momentarily. And I promised, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll make sure that, you know, I don't do more damage. And he was very reluctant. He wasn't going to do it at first. And I think once I um, begged and pleaded long enough, he he finally consented. 
and I left with this one cast that I was able to remove from my arm, which I did within a couple hours, which I probably shouldn't have done right away, but I did. And the reason why I tell that part of the story is because it was my right arm that really brought me healing and it brought to my awareness what had actually happened in that accident during that time. And so on my second, on my second, second day of recovery, I was pacing around my house. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was sore. I was all sorts of things that weren't good. And I decided that I was sort of slipping into this state of sadness and I didn't want to go there. I wanted to try to remain focused and positive. And so I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll write. I've always enjoyed writing. I'll pull out a journal and maybe I can release some of this pain that I'm feeling through through a pen and paper. And so I got myself settled on our deck and we live in a very pristine part of the world. I'm extremely fortunate for that. So it was quiet and peaceful. And I remember sitting in this in this big round chair that I'm actually in right now, I call it my Eagle's nest. And it's one of those big pier one chairs. And I was sitting in this chair and I had my pen and I had my journal and I thought, well, what am I going to write about? I don't, I can't think of anything really worth writing about right now. And then I realized that I had already been writing. So it was like I went into this meditative state that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of really what I was doing. And when I, had this realization that I'd been writing I saw my mother's name written at the bottom of this page and it was in her printing and then I my eyes scanned the page and and sure enough the the printing was that of my mother's and I went back to the beginning of where I had started and it turned out that I had written this nine-page letter for my mother who passed away in 1996 and I was flabbergasted I was I had no idea what to think I was bewildered I and so obviously I read this letter and she talked about how my heart had been blocked and now it was open she talked about how we were going through powerful times on the planet and that things were shifting and changing and that we were evolving spiritually as a collective consciousness and um, all just all sorts of concepts. I, I'm pretty certain that I included that message, that particular message in the book. She talked about all sorts of things that I had never contemplated, never thought of before, and um, and then so that was the beginning. And the next day, so I shared that with my husband. I shared that with my son. And then what I found was that the next day I woke up and I I was just so enthralled with what could come next and I, I retraced my steps I was scared to do anything differently I wanted to all happen again and I retraced my steps I got my tea and I sat down in the same chair on the, the same spot with the same journal and I simply asked I said you know is there anyone else out there that has anything to say and sure enough I asked and you shall receive I received a message a beautiful message from one of my guides and um, going into a little bit more depth on what my mother had talked about in terms of this shift and this evolutionary change that we're going through and, you know, introduced himself to me and and gave me some personal information about my own life and where I'm at and all of this kind of thing. And it just became this new habit, I guess, for lack of a better word, where every day I would get up and I'd write and I found that what I was writing was just so insightful and 
and there was such a knowing to these words and, and they seemed so ancient and old, but clear and easy to understand. Like it's hard to, it's hard to articulate, but anyone who's read the book or will read the book, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. That the messages are beautiful and profound, but easy to grasp. Really. It's just a matter of starting to implement and practice what they're talking about. And so getting back to the recovery process, eventually I started to share these messages with other people. And um, one of the first people that I shared it with was a gentleman in my hometown here that is very involved in uh, energy work and um, hypnotherapy and Lomi Lomi, all sorts of stuff. And he's been in this field for, I think, 30 some odd years. So I thought that he would be somebody that I could bounce things off of and ask him what he was thinking and what he thought was going on. And so we spent, my husband and I went and spent about five hours with him one evening and he asked if I would be willing to see if I could channel one of these guides verbally. And I thought, well, I guess so. I don't see why not. So that's what we did. And it was in that channeling process that the same guide who I traveled with in my near-death experience came through and told told us exactly what had happened and that I, when I had crashed into that rock, rock wall, my heart had stopped and I had traveled, just like I told you before, and, and yada, yada, yada. That was my experience. And I remember feeling just this one little tear come out of the corner of my eye and just sort of trickle down my face and the, my world started to spin as I was sitting in this chair channeling this message and I literally felt like I was in a, in a vortex and I was going to spin out of it at any given moment and I remember clenching onto the side of the chair like just hanging on to something and after that evening I came home and I asked for a channeled message on it so that I could have it to refer to and to read and and when I did that and sat in peace and sat in quiet and contemplated what had happened, it all made so much sense to me as to why I felt like I was a completely different person, why all of a sudden I came back with this open connection and why I just knew the things that I knew. Like, you know, I haven't been a philosopher for the last 30 years. This is all new to me, yet I feel like I just have, like, literally, like, just downloaded all all this information in a really short period of time and continue to do so through the writing and as I started to share with friends and family and eventually strangers I realized how transformational this information was and how invaluable it was and that it wasn't just meant to be sitting in journals on a shelf that I shared with people here and there or gave messages to randomly that we really needed to get it out to the world as the message that it is. And hence a soulful awakening was developed for that purpose. And the most amazing thing to me is when I receive emails and messages from people that have read the book numerous times or will, will read the book and then write me an email and say, I have this book in my nightstand and I refer to it when I need it. It's, it's become more of a guidebook. And it's funny because that's not really how I anticipated that it would go I just thought it would be a book that would definitely reach people on a certain level if they were ready for that but to be used as a guidebook by 
you know, many, many people that send me messages saying the same thing independently of each other is just such an amazing thing to be able to offer to people that, you know, when you're feeling in a certain way, you can pick up this book and, and read a message and understand more about why you're feeling the way you are and how to respond more appropriately in that kind of situation. So that's pretty much the long and the the short of it. It's been a a very interesting journey. It's been one that I wouldn't change for the world, even though it was very painful at the time. And my life has changed, taken, you know, a 360 degree, well, I guess that doesn't really make sense because then it come around full circle when it, (laughs) you know what I mean? My life has taken that 180, I guess would be a better way of putting it. And it's been so much fun and meeting people and talking to people who are on the same kind of path. And now knowing that, you know, there are so many great teachers that are saying the same things that I was channeling, knowing nothing about it was such an affirmation for me. It was such confirmation that this information is all coming from the same place and we all have access to it. All of us. I'm just a landscaper in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. I'm not a philosopher that's been learning all these concepts for years and years and years. And if I can access this kind of information, so can everybody else. And that's really my ultimate goal is to help people be able to do that. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to get my mic opened up there. (laughs) You know, wow. There's just a lot of pieces there. And I I think this is one of the things that I, I tend to get, try to get people to get when the stuff is coming in of course it can be there can be a lot of questions that come with it but at the same time when the gifts are unfolding it's so important to not throw the brakes on and to embrace them and to to let them come out and you know as you mentioned things are going to happen for people at different paces and different ways and and different things and and when you do start, you know, what you express with your channeling is something that I feel with my code work, um, code interpretation. And, and, you know, when I'm doing it and I see these pieces and I see the truth unfold and I realize that the information I'm getting is right on target, um, it's an incredible experience. I mean, I, I, I think it's just it's like you're sitting in full connection. You know, you're you're in full connection when you're in that space. Mm-hmm. And and to I, I guess a, a big learning lesson for me was to not to to not doubt myself. It took me a, quite a long time, and I still do. You know, I I still doubt myself from time to time. And I always catch myself and think, why after all this time, when there's been confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation, do we still need more confirmation? Why? <laughs> Why do we constantly <laughs> doubt ourselves? I, I really, I still don't, I, I don't have an answer for that yet. Maybe, you know, in a year, if we do another interview, I'll have more clarity on that. But I, I still do it to myself. It wasn't, I think, less than a week ago, um, a gentleman had ordered a, uh, a personal message for himself because I, I offered that off my website. So he had come across my website or my book or something, and he had contacted me about writing a message, a personal message for him. So uh, I did, and I gave him a call, which I always do. I like to follow up by reading it to people over the phone so we can have some sort of a connection and if they like a conversation about it. 
And so as I was delivering him his message, I got to the last page, and his message was from a guide of his named Michael, not the Archangel Michael. I knew that, but it was just Michael. I wasn't too certain who that was, but the name was Michael. And as I was getting to that point, I I had this thought come into my head that said, well, what if I just make up the names? You know, maybe that maybe that's just my imagination. And then I had another voice say, if you think you're making up the name, then you're probably making it all up. So you have to just trust in all of it or trust in none of it. And I thought, okay, true enough. And this is all going on while I'm reading. And then I thought, well, maybe I just won't say the name because then I'm safeguarding myself. And then the other voice said, you can't do that. You can't just omit parts of somebody's message. And I thought, no, you're right. I can't do that. So obviously I read the name. And it was a very interesting dialogue that I had going on with myself. And in the end, of course, I read to him the name, Michael. And as we started talking about his message and his life, he started to tell me a story about the one and and only time he had contacted somebody who channeled uh, was about 10 years ago. And this woman came very highly recommended, and he went to see her, and she gave him a very insightful message that he still uses to this day. And that message was from Michael. And as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, thank goodness I said the name Michael, because for (laughs) me it was more of a lesson than it may have been for him, because it was like, yes, of course it was from Michael. That makes sense. But why do we still doubt ourselves? I just, you know, we we do it all the time. And at some point you just have to have complete faith that you are capable of receiving this information we all are it's there it's available it's part of us it's you know probably in our dna as far as i'm concerned and they're probably starting to prove that i have no idea but that's just you know don't take that literally anybody because i really don't know but i feel like it's so ingrained in us that it's just a matter of shuffling through all the debris and all the waste and all the, the the toxins and the chemicals and all the rest of it and getting to that place of alignment where you have clear access to it. Um, it was uh, Carlos Castaneda described it as this connecting link. And I, didn't, I haven't read a lot of Carlos Castaneda, but the one book that I did read, that one particular analogy may just gave me a visual of this connecting link that you know shoots out of our head and it goes to our higher self and it goes to source and if that's all rusty and corroded and full of gunk nothing's going to get through it's like it's like a a dirty pipe you know it's there's there's blockages if there's dirt and grime and rocks the water's not going to flow so to become in alignment with yourself, there's certain things I think that need to happen. And one of them is to have a healthy body and to, to start with a clean slate, so to speak. So start um, doing what I mentioned earlier and evaluating your belief, your belief systems and your fears, which are a belief system. Why do you have those fears? Where do they come from? What, you know, are you, are you really who you think you are? And as you start unwrapping your your cocoon let's say you know that's a good visual you can start unwrapping this cocoon and within it is this beautiful butterfly all the rest is just stuff that you've
picked up along the way, whether it's actual physical, you know, chemicals that are in your body that need to, you know, you need to clean up and, and start paying attention to this vessel and the importance of keeping it clean so that your connection is clean to your emotional state and doing the things you love and all those things that we've already talked about is within that alignment that we can access all this information that's there. And in my particular case, just before my accident, a couple months before my accident, I also found out that I, that I had Lyme's disease. I had been contracted with Lyme's disease from a wood tick. And I'm happy to say I have no remnants of the Lyme's, Lyme's disease now, but to get through that time, I had to literally purge and cleanse my body. And since then, I've had to keep my body really clean because if I don't, I have certain... Um, I just have physical effects from eating sugar and dairy and a few other things. So I've had to keep my body clean. And I think that was as much as the bike accident, that was a very integral part of this wake-up call is that I now had this clean body. And when I had this, you know, this cleanse going on in combination with hitting my head and my body against the rock wall and visiting the other side, all of a sudden I sort of had this prime um, ground for connection and it's just, you know, it's there. It's there for everybody. We can all access it. It's just a matter of whether you know you can and if you want to. You know, it's so interesting that you bring some of that up because, you know, there were, there were a couple of things that I got out of all of that. One of the things that came to mind is, is it, ironically, I think it's our ego that makes us doubt things that we have coming in. Um, you know, it 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 brings up our self worth things. Our ego is is attached to that. But um, you know, because we're we're questioning where did this come from, and and um, you know, how do we know it's valid? How do we know it's true? And and uh, it wants all those those answers. Whereas the the full side, which is your other term that you've used during the show, um, doesn't worry about that because I know I'm connected. <laughs> you know, I know my true nature. I know that this is the case. Um, but, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, man, all the different things I've been through and health issues and different things like that. And I, and it's like, wouldn't it be so much easier if, you know, we just listened to that message to start with that said you need to clean up your body <laughs> instead yeah. of having to take that all journey through, you know, like in my case, you know, uh, uh, six, seven surgeries with two specialists for six and a half hours, and they wouldn't operate on me unless I signed a living will and the whole work, you know, it, it was pretty crazy. And, um, you know, obviously if I knew knew then what I know now, I, I probably never would have had the surgery. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is that aspect of coming back around and and we realize that oftentimes these events, if we remove the judgment piece from them, are really about getting us to a different point. And and I'm sure you've done this along the way a lot. I know one of my key things is always is always saying, What is it that you're trying to get me to with this situation? And kind of just it opens the door to say, okay, I'm listening <laughs> and I'm receive now. 
because I'm hurting really bad. <laughs> and I don't want to hurt anymore uh, mm-hmm. in there. And that leads me to a question for you, and I, and you may have kind of answered it partially, so, so forgive me if I'm bringing up a repetitive piece in a way, but how did you know where your messages were coming from? Because I I deal with a lot of channel, channelers, and a lot of them, there are definitely several that are very good, and they're dealing with definitely the angels and the archangels and you know, all of that and divine energy. But then I've also known people who are channeling energy and it's not coming from a place of light. So, you know, how did, how did you, how do you know where yours is coming from? Well, it's, that's an interesting question and it's one that I actually um, answered unintentionally, I guess, at the beginning of the book. I think it's in the introduction and it's basically, you don't know. How do you really know? It's how do you really, really and truly know where any of these messages are coming from? To say that I know 100% that they're coming from this guide or this guide or this guide would be inaccurate because we live in a society where, you know, we want proof of things. We want to, we want that concrete evidence, and it's not necessarily even in our society. That wasn't the right way of putting it. It's the energy that we're in. It's the, the place and, and the time and the space where we are right now in our evolution as, as human beings, as this collective consciousness. So I don't know for sure, and I struggled with that. But then I came to a realization that it doesn't really matter as long as the messages are coming from a place of love and are resonating and helping people and assisting them move forward on their journey and guiding them with love and direction, but still allowing people the free choice to make decisions on their own. None of the messages that I receive will ever tell somebody in five years, this is where you're going to be and this is who you're going to be with and this is what you're going to be doing. They're not like that. It's not a psychic reading per se that, that somebody may be searching for. And I always tell people this, this is not what you're going to get from me. What you'll get from me is a message from somebody on the other side, be it a guide, a past loved one, somebody who steps forward. Maybe it's a collective group that steps forward and delivers information that is best suited for you at this point in your life based on reading your energy now, where you are in your growth, where you are in your life, and what, and what you need the most, whether it's something we think we need or not. And earlier you mentioned that you know, if you let somebody else go first or pick first, there will always be something left over for you. And it's not necessarily a leftover. It might be something bigger and better. And our mind tends to... Um, how can I put this? Your mind can only see so much. So when I sit down and ask for a message for somebody, I'm not necessarily saying I need to know exactly which direction this person's career path is going to go. Because if I do that, I'm putting limitations onto what that person actually really and truly needs because I have no idea what that is. They probably have no idea what that is, but their higher self knows, their guides know, the the universe knows, 
and that's what the, what will be delivered. To to this date, I have yet to receive an, a negative message at all, ever. Not even a word that comes across is could could possibly be negative, and I don't really think that I will. I have no fear of that happening because it's not the world that I'm living in. It's not the perception of life that I'm choosing to take. It's not something that I'm attracting into my life. And it's not the place where I feel that I'm going to go. So, you know, I, when it comes to the messages themselves, when, when past loved ones come through, let's say, for example, the person who the message is for will know if that is their mother or if that is their father and and they're the ones that will gauge it's not up to me to do that all i can all i can do is do what i'm able to do and that is to deli- to transcribe this message and deliver it and then from there they do what they want with it and like there was this girl in the very beginning of all of this and a friend had asked if I would do a message for her friend who had lost her father and she felt that she was stuck and she wasn't moving through his, the grieving process of lo- losing her father. And I was really, uh, I was feeling, I was just wondering if I'd be able to do that because now there was an expectation attached to this message. Can you not just get me a message, but can you get me a message from her father? And it took me a couple of weeks before I actually sat down and thought, okay, well, all I can do is ask. And I did, and thankfully, I actually did receive a message from her father, and I literally passed it off to her like a baton in a relay race at the top of a ski hill, and almost out of, like, shyness, okay, here's your message from your dad, got to go, have a good ski day, and, and took off, and she called me the next day, and she was in tears, and she was talking about how when she read this message from her father, it just helped her move past that feeling of losing him and she felt more connected to him than she had in years even when he was alive and it was exactly what she needed at that moment in his words to help her get over whatever it was that was holding her back from moving forward in her life and about a year later she contacted me again and she said you know Steph I had the most amazing experience she said, I was out for a walk and I was just feeling really happy and enjoying the sun and the snow and was out with my dogs. And all of a sudden, my, you know, my dad was there. I could feel him. And we had this conversation and I, she said, I could hear his words. And she said, he told me that I could talk to him and connect to him at any given moment, at any time that I want. And she said, and now I have that. And, you know, that was from one message. So, you know, who knows where they're coming from, but I know that they're they're transformative and they can really help you shift into another place of a heightened awareness. So as long as it's working for people, I'm going to keep delivering. And and I like that you use the style because I I so agree. I think that too many times people go to get a reading or a message or a session done with somebody and they're so locked in on a particular thing that they're not just open to what needs to come through. And I find oftentimes when it gets down to it and we really tune in to, to divine space or presence or things, it doesn't really matter whether it comes from a parent or an animal or 
you know, a celebrity or wherever it comes from. Um, you know, what's important is what messages that's coming up and coming through at that time. And you mentioned about knowing whether they come from love and that there's no negative messages. And I think, you know, for me, sometimes there's, you know, it's not that it's a negative message. It's more of a, you need to pay attention to this sometimes. You know, it's not meant as a negative message or it doesn't, I wouldn't take it as a negative message. But I think that, you know, as these are coming through, no matter what, there's an essence of truth. And there's one thing that I've learned with the codes, and that is when somebody hears the truth about something or when we tune into the truth about something, that's almost unmistakable. Every, it's like everything, as you say, down into your cells and your DNA um, has this kind of little tingling, this little aspect to it. And even if it's something that we don't want to hear, when it's truth, we're willing to accept it usually. Mm-hmm. And we know that. We all know that. We can feel it within us. And, you know, this, the the story I told a few minutes ago about this gentleman from Ontario with the guy named Michael, a lot of his message was about forgiveness. And, you know, it, the primary focus of his message was on forgiveness. And um, he had just started a, just before he contacted me, he went to his bookshelf where there was multiple books. And he just grabbed one off the shelf and he sort of has this uh, idea that the book will pick him and he literally goes to his bookshelf of unread books and he'll just put his hand up there and grab one and pull it down and and start reading it. And the book that he had grabbed just prior to contacting me was titled Forgiveness and the author was, her first name was Stephanie. Now here I am on the phone giving him a message on forgiveness and my name's Stephanie. And you think, how can you ignore that? You know, there's some, there's obviously something there that you need to pay attention to. And when we're receiving messages from, from our guides and our higher self, like you said, it's really important to be open to what they have to say and to go into it with an open mind because, like I alluded to earlier, our mind is... Um, I heard uh, an analogy once. I'm a very visual person, so I like to see things as a picture in my mind. And it was described to me like this, that our our mind is down here in the valley, surrounded by mountains and hills, and can only see so far. Then our soul is up here on the top of the mountain, and it can see everything. It can see it all. It can align things for us so much better than we could possibly ever imagine because it can see it. Our mind just can't. So if we go into uh, a meeting with somebody where we're, you know, asking them to um, to channel a message or whatever they can to decode something, whatever the give us a read our astrology chart, whatever the case may be, the best thing you could possibly do for yourself is to go into it with an open mind and ask, just deliver to me the best possible thing that I need right now, and I'll be open to hearing it and receiving it and paying attention to what you have to offer. But you have to be ready to hear what it has to say because to me, receiving a message from a guide saying, you know, um, pointing out things that you may need to recognize about yourself, that's not negative. So I guess it's your perception on negative. It's, that's, that's an opportunity for growth. That's, 
you know, that's a lottery ticket. That's something for you to take and be able to work with because oftentimes we're so close in our own life that we don't see it. We can't possibly see it because, you know, I, I sort of have this picture of looking at our lives through this macro lens and all we're seeing is these close-up pictures, these snapshots of our life. And it's when we step back and take that lens off and put a wide angle that we can start to see everything. And it's from that perspective that we can start really embracing life for what it is and not being so afraid of it, but allowing ourselves to, allowing life to flow through us and to continuously move us in the direction of positivity and that direction of love and, and light and, and a higher vibration. And it's, you know, if we if we ask, and that's a, a strong point that's come through in a lot of these messages, is that we need to ask. We need to, first of all, in my opinion, be grateful and express that gratitude. You know, I am, you know, to sit here and say, I'm so thankful right now that the sun is beaming on my back and that I'm looking at snow on the hillside and that I w- came home with a bag of groceries today and I have a cup of tea and a glass of water in front of me and I'm connecting with the world through your interview. Like, be grateful and express your gratitude and then, and then ask, please, higher self, guides, universe, align for me all that needs to be aligned for me today to take me down the best suited course. That's all. And, and let things unfold. And I think that's, that's huge what you just said and some great tips for people to take away and work with that you gave in there. Um, and I think, I think you hit on some big points, being, being grateful. But when you're asking, make sure that you're going to be receptive. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, we don't want to be in that passive-aggressive <laughs> space. Uh, when we're asking for things, you know, if you're going to ask, then then really listen, and also having the patience to let it unfold. And I think that that can be a big challenging piece for a lot of people because they they ask for something they want it immediately instead of being willing to let it unfold in its time. Um, you know, especially when we're asking for some big stuff to happen. It's it's not that miracles don't happen and that they can't move quickly, but you know, uh, I, I kind of relate it to, you know, walking up to, to to somebody in a travel agent and saying, you know, put me on a plane to, to Iceland or Ireland or wherever your country of choice is, <laughs> and, you know, and expecting it to be done, you know, in that five minutes that I'm there standing in the office. <laughs> you know, yeah. it takes a little time. You got to let it unfold and go home and do your packing and you got to, you know, prepare for your trip and they've got to have time to book it. And, you know, once you've made the request, you've got to let it all unfold there, as you say. And I think uh, I think that's a, a big piece for people to keep in mind, to, to have the patience to let it unfold in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie, mm-hmm. kind of winding down towards the end, I would love for you to do a couple of things, and that is how people... When they when they contact you and they say, Stephanie, I would love to get a session with you. I'd love to have you see what you pick up and, and what you're channeling um, in regard to me. Uh, what are they going to experience when they contact you and for a session? What are they going to experience during that session? And 
And again, make sure that you give everybody your contact information. Well, my website is stephaniebanks.org, uh, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, banks, just like it sounds, stephaniebanks.org. And on my website, you'll see a page that says readings. And my website is being redone at the moment, but it is active. But just bear that in mind that it's changing a little bit from day to day. And there are three different options for sessions, for readings, based on on your budget, basically, or what you're looking for. So uh, there's just the reading where I can deliver a message to you via the email, where I'll sit down and I'll channel a message for you, and then I'll scan it and email it to you. And then I also have an option for the message itself. And then what we can do is connect via Skype or phone, and I'll read you the message, and then if you like, we can discuss it, and I can share with you different things that I may have felt or experienced while channeling that message, and then I'll scan it and email it to you as well. So, And then on my Facebook page, which is also Stephanie Banks, uh, I believe the easiest way to find that is Stephanie Banks 72, and you'll find my author page, and from there I have a list of events. I'm going to be doing um, some short mini tours, mostly on the west side of Canada and the States this coming uh, winter. So if you're interested, if you're in any areas um, that I've listed on my Facebook page, it would be wonderful to to meet you and to have you come to a workshop or a lecture. Great. And, you know, also I want to mention to you when people go on your website, you do actually have a couple of sample readings up. For people to get an idea, um, which is really useful and really helpful for people to, to be able to have that to look at and to see if they're thinking about doing this with you. Um, you know, I just, I really appreciate you giving us this time today and sharing your work with you, and I want to um, just reaffirm um, your book again is called A Soulful Awakening, and um you know, it's about this journey that you've been through in this awakening process, and uh, certainly there's going to be some great insights in that for people and and uh, and everything. But it's been a real pleasure to have you on, sharing your work, sharing some of these thoughts, and you know, bringing things in in a little different approach and a little different way than maybe the way some people are used to hearing them, which is great. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful to to be here and to to share this time. And I'm grateful that you found the Starbucks Studio to assist you on that. And <laughs> Starbucks Studio, <laughs> Studio Starbucks. And may you get home and <laughs> do that snow. So yeah, I just I guess on a you know an end note, I just encourage everybody to uh, to live your life the way you want. You know, you don't need to wait until your last days to question whether or not you've lived an inspired life and whether or not you've done all the things that you want to do. It's about today. It's about right now. Like what, what changes can you make in your life at this moment that aren't too overwhelming that will start leading you down a different path and leading you into more of an awakened life. And by all means, feel free to check out my book, A Soulful Awakening. It's on my website as well. And it's also on Barnes and Noble and Amazon and Double request. So, thank you so much for having me. It's been an amazing pleasure to be here. Well, this is this has been great, and and 
Hi, I'm really happy that we had you on today, and, and I think really perfect timing with some of the things you brought up because it really, I think, will be some great tools to help people get through the holidays. Now, next week on the show, I've got Sharita Starr with me, and some of you may remember her from where she's been a guest on before. This will be our third appearance on uh, on my show. Uh, previously, she's been with me on Activating Compassion, and now she's coming on Code Connection. And yes, we're bringing her on a little bit early. I know normally we wait. We bring her on like right at the beginning of the year, but um, she was very, very booked up, so I was very fortunate to get her on here next week, and we're going to be taking a look at what she sees happening in 2016. And those that know Sharita know that she works with uh, name energy, she works with numerology, she works with astrology, and she is very on target with what she does, and she has some wonderful perceptions. So I hope you'll get a chance to tune in and see what her insights are for the upcoming year. Uh, I do want to mention that I, I have several things available that are going on. Uh, in the in the way you've got, uh, like I said, the release of Embrace by the Divine, a woman's gateway to power to, um, sorry, boy, I'm just <laughs> done posting it all up. Power, Passion, and Purpose is on its way out. It'll be coming out soon, so watch my posts on Facebook and social media for that. Uh, also, I've got my books out that you can check out, uh, two on relationships, two on activating compassion, in your life, um, you know, who knows when I'm going to get get something else coming through, but mostly I've been focusing on the codes right now. Um, I, I will be setting up more events. Right now, I'm looking at Sioux Falls uh, for the winter season and uh, doing events there. I, I do have some openness to shifting and traveling into some other areas, but uh, you can watch those. I do have an event coming up right around the the latter part of December, and another one coming up the very early part of February. But winter is going to be a little bit quieter for me on that front um, while I'm regrouping, and then, then I'll be coming back out. And if you'd like to find out more about the work that I'm doing, see upcoming shows, uh, listen to archive shows, such as today's show, um, purchase anything, services, check out the monthly special, all of those things are on my website, jessianenicholsgeorge.com. And I do want to mention that November special deal right now, and this is great because books are a great gift for people. Um, you know, looking at Stephanie's books, looking at my books, I've got 50% off of all of my books except for Embraced by the Divine because I don't have the power to discount that, and it's not quite out yet. <laughs> but both of my relationship books and my activating compassion books are 50% off. Um, right now, you can just head over to the main page of my website, and it will have all the information there. I also want to mention we have several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. Um, Monday nights, actually, Darren Bucare um, is back, and he's doing the spiritual insights, and he's putting a focus on helping you build awareness in his show, and I think he gets one or two readings in on that show. Tuesdays, we've got Susan Lee, who's sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesdays, I know it's been a little bit sporadic, but we are going to be having the flagship show back. Janice is going to be doing her show. We have Kevin that's popping on with New Companion every now and then on the weekends. Um, we have several people like Woven Green is going to be back doing their show again. Um, so we're going to have a lot of people popping in and out that are doing shows like once a month or every other week type of thing. Um, so that's going to be really exciting as well. I just want to say, hey, this is Jesse and Nichols George, and thanks so much for being here with me today from 
Starbucks studio <laughs> or studio Starbucks. <laughs> and again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on 10, known as Parent Counters Network, Stream Finder, and Talk Stream Live, as well as those catching our podcasts at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show. And um, again, I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we're delving more into Code Connection. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And it's been a great show, so if you've missed any part of it, go back and listen to it in those archives and catch the part that you missed. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to leave you again uh, with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shimchai. They do have some new music that they've been releasing, so you do want to jump on over to their website and check them out, www.shimchai.com. That's S-H-I-M. S-H-A-I dot com. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel we are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside The light within Shining Show you it's it to begin When all I have is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity And we see in eye to eye One within love to be for the divine And we're walking hand in hand Caught in the balance of God and Learning to walk just a little bit slower Whispering secrets that you can't keep it No turning back now, this time we reveal it Once you another, all will discover The essence within the most beautiful lover Time is still turning, the love is still burning Deep in your spirit, your heart still yearning for
Yeah. 